everybody. Welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. We are stand-up comedians. Stand-up comedians that are currently jobless because of the coronavirus. We're finally going to be the doctors our mothers wanted us to be. Is there anything that we don't know? A lot, actually. We have a lot of questions. Uh, we have a lot of answers. All of them wrong. But we do have access to... Google. And a vet. Oh yeah, my mom's a vet. She knows some stuff. We have to do this So again. every once in a while, we're going to invite her on. No, we don't. We're going to actually use this. <laughs> welcome to Two Non-Doctors. Hi, welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. I haven't formally said anything, so I guess I should say it here. But, um, or I did, I put it on Instagram. But, you know, Pasta, our, our unofficial co-host, Pasta Mealy, passed away last week. Um, I couldn't talk about it right away because I was sad. Also, even yesterday, we were, you were like, how are you? And I was like, eh, I'm okay. <laughs> yeah, you put on a very um, stoic face. I'm good. Let's get this done. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sad. I'm really sad. It's like, it's funny because like, I did have a moment where I was like, she's not going to interrupt the podcast anymore. Like, I like. I remember I was like strategizing. I was like, okay, if I wake her up an hour before she'll be up and then she puts herself to bed. So I'll feed her and then she'll be, and then she'll sleep through the podcast. Like, you know what I mean? Like I had like a full strategy for like a year and a half to get her to stop interrupting. And now I'm like, my baby's never going to interrupt us again. I know. I know. I'm actually sad about that. Even though I joked about it (laughs) when it happened. (laughs) Oh, Oh, hi, pasta's here. Just contributing all the, yeah. Um, no, it's really, it's really hard, especially like, cause you've had her for so long. You had her for 17 years, 16, 16. Yeah. I mean, she's part of the family. It's like you lost a family member. I think what's craziest to me is that I got her when I was 19 years old. So it's like, I got her as a teenager. I had her my entire twenties and most of my thirties. Like, who am I? Like I grew, like I grew up with her. Like, who am I without her? Like, who am I? I don't know. It's like one of those strange things where you're like, she did have a huge impact. Like I wrote an obituary on Instagram and, you know, she was in apartment C3. She, you know, you know, uh, was a big part of my cat book. Like I, you know, she inspired Catterday. Like I think, but like I wrote jokes about her. Carmen Lynch wrote jokes about her. Carmen, all Carmen was so sweet. So Carmen had, um, um, she, she made greeting cards years ago when we lived with each other. And one of them was inspired. Like one of them was a joke that she wrote and they turned it into it. So she sent me a card from when she had those um, things. But it says, uh, my roommate said her cat barfed on my bed because she feels comfortable around me. Let's always keep a little tension between us. I don't want to be barf close. <laughs> and it's like pasta inspired a greeting card. Like, yeah like it's like stuff like that where I'm just like she had she had like a huge she had just not just like an impact like I got I was severely depressed when I got her like I remember telling my mom that I'm like I'm sad get me a friend (laughs) like like like, and I think about all the depressive bouts I went with her and all the good times and you know all the boyfriends she's met the boyfriends that loved her like think about my my first real boyfriend used to loved 
not only loved carrying her around because he was like tall. So he'd always carry her around and she loves being high. That's what she loved about Carmen. She just loves being high up. Oh, no wonder she didn't like me. (laughs) (laughs) But like, um, it inspired him to get a cat. Like he adopted a cat because he loved my cat so much. And then even another ex texted me a couple days ago to be like, I'm not a cat person, but I loved pasta. Yeah. And it's like, (laughs) like, I don't know. It's, it's silly to think about just how much of an influence she had on me as a person and my, my, my sanity and my well being, but also what I talked about my career, my perspective, you know, I made so much money off her. <laughs> you know what I her mean? likeness. Yeah. Yes, I know. Have I, you I, checked, I, have you checked her will? Do you get to keep that? Like, I know. Look at that little stickers. Like, yeah, they have, you know, my little baby, but it's like, you know, she's in all my stuff. Cause she had such an impact on me. And I've always clearly been a cat lover and cats have always been really important to me. I had cats growing up and my mom being a vet and all of the above. Like, I think I'm always going to be someone that owns cats, but like she was special. Like, yeah, she was a special lady. Yeah. It's going to, are you going to be able to like watch apartment C3 for a while or is it going to take some time? Actually, that was the thing I did to kind of like, remember her soothe as I watched a bunch of ones that are just her I want to post repost one like we have this one with um do you ever um work with Lance Weiss this mm-hmm. year? Yeah. yeah so Lance we have this one I forget what it's called but um he's burglarizing our apartment and pasta is the one that captures him and it was such a silly concept <laughs> and it was so fun to be this like cat wrangler and like I'm always you know we did it we shot it in a doorway so you just see Lance going back and forth with like pantyhose over his head, stealing like a TV and stealing stuff. And we just have pasta. And it's just me with treats always off camera, getting her to pass from side to side. <laughs> oh, and that's so funny. <laughs> and it's funny because I can see, I remember at the end I was watching it, she wouldn't fully get out of frame. So I'm just like trying to entice her, entice her. And then at some point I just kind of grab her. <laughs> but, but it was such a silly concept and I, I loved that my roommates were like yeah let's do a full pasta burglar episode we did one where she was trick-or-treating and we just put her in different outfits over and over. like the ones that are completely centered around her are they're just like legit cat jokes I'm grateful that my roommates were like yeah it's a great sketch idea and I'm like oh okay <laughs> <laughs> okay and I think it's for anybody um but also just like I I used to joke when I was younger that I wanted to be a lion tamer and then pasta was such a crazy asshole cat the first three years of her life that I was like, I am a lion tamer. <laughs> <laughs> Cause people, it was so funny. Um, Carnegie cat clinic and Princeton animal hospital, um, did like a tribute to her, did like a little, like, Oh, we lost, you know, especially since she spent so much time there when I was traveling and, um, they were like they, everybody. So like the, you know, a lot of the staff said goodbye and all that stuff, but a lot of them were just like, she was very spicy. I remember when she was spicy, she was, she had a spice, but she became sweet. And I was just like, Oh, I love that. You like, like corporate wise cannot call her a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she was, she was a dick for quite some time. And she's so lucky that I loved her into sweetness submission. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But it was really funny, just all these employees calling her spicy. And I was like, 
Oh, she she did have a spicy. She terrorized one. everybody there. <laughs> Dude, there was I remember this so clear. I kept the card somewhere. I have it in a box. So she was in a cage. This is a very early in her life because now, you know, later she got to like roam around and just be like a practice cat when I was gone. But she was so bad. And she was so mean, she would be in a cage and they would say, you know, pasta mealy. And um, then over the week, it would get more, there'd be more things and it would be like, they would have to put a towel over her because she would swat. Like I said, watch out, she swats. And she would try to oh, no. people as they pass by. And then like, it aggressively says, does not like other cat. Like her card just had more and more details of what an asshole she is as the week went on. <laughs> so uh, I'd pick her up and it would it would just say what food she ate. And then when I would pick her up, it would be, I'd be like, oh, how was she? And they were like, she is a spirit, just a strong spirited woman. <laughs> She's literally your spirit animal. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm sad. Yeah. I'm still sad. I feel grateful. I feel grateful that my friends are understanding, but I, you know, and then of course, like I told fans, especially since so many people know and love her, but like I've, I just moved. So I've been meeting new neighbors and, um, there's just like, tell me if I'm wrong. There's just, just like sad cliche of somebody being like, Oh, how are you doing? And like, just some sad woman being like, my cat died and just people not understanding. And I just couldn't, you know, so every time, like I went to the gym, you know, I, I met neighbors and they'd be like, oh, how are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm great. But like my eyes are red and I'm like clearly crying, but it's like, I'm not going to tell, you know what I mean? Like there's, I'm not going to tell you my cat died. Although, can I just, sorry, I just tell you this story. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm getting blinds for my apartment and the people were coming to like measure my windows and they said they were coming from 12 to four. So I put pasta to sleep. I got back at like 1045 and I made myself a cup of tea and I was just hysterically crying because this is my time. Okay. <laughs> I have an hour <laughs> hysterically crying. 10 minutes later, my doorbell rings. I open the door and this guy's like, hi, I'm here to measure your windows. And I was like, they, they said you were coming from 12 to four. And he goes, oh, they didn't call. I was like, no, I would have stopped crying. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I look like I just found out I'm getting divorced. Like, I mean, hysterically crying. I thought maybe it was like the mailman. That's why I just didn't like even like wipe my tears. I was like, <laughs> two things. That would be such an amazing meet cute for a movie. And uh -huh. and the other thing is that I love the idea that you schedule your crying. Like your grief happens from two to two thirty six p.m. Four minutes for the eyes to clear up by 2 40 PM you're on <laughs> windows and then you got to make a phone call. Yeah, of course. But, but I'm, it's not as much. I schedule it as much as this is, if I'm going to cry, this is the time to do it to the point where I had shows on Saturday and I wore a bunch of makeup. Like I wore like lipstick, I wore eyeliner. Like I just kind of, you know, I did my hair and um, a friend of mine who was hosting was like, oh, you look so pretty. And I was like, oh, it's preventative. <laughs> and she's like, understood, understood. Like, I was like, this isn't like, it was almost like, a, like I cried all day. And then I like, I to the point where like, it was about 20 minutes before I was about to put on makeup. And I was like, 
get it together, Elizabeth. Like, we got to put on eyeliner. <laughs> That's really funny. But I don't know. I just, I feel fortunate that I have a safe space to share how sad I am. But I also think the regular world is kind of like, it's a cat, get over it. And that's not how I feel. Uh, not yet. You, you, you know, it just happened. I think like in, in two, three, four weeks, maybe people will be like, all right, <laughs> you know, as a, I, know. I, I, uh, I, I told my mom, um, she was like, oh, how did, you know, how did the appointment go? And I was just like, I was like, mom, I was like a full Italian woman. I was like, take me Jesus. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, <laughs> he's like, really? I was like, no, but I did cry hysterically. Like, and I don't, you know, I've never been in the room when somebody put down an animal, but I'm assuming everyone's not supposed to be crying, but everybody knew her. So like the vet tech was crying. The vet was crying. I'm crying. Like, you know what I mean? Like, like, I'm sure you're not, I, I'm sure my mom isn't hysterical. I mean, I've seen her put animals to sleep but like everybody knew her and like I was like a mess sorry now I'm getting sad again but I was I, I'm I, you can't call it dramatic if it's how you actually feel is that well no I I, I think you can call it dramatic if how you feel is absurd <laughs> but yeah I don't think that how you're feeling is absurd at all yeah. but I you did I, I did have some you know you know, when you just have like silly thoughts where you're just like, why isn't it me? She should be 36. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But well, oh, that's, that's fucking motherly of you. I mean, yeah, she's a cat and that's, I'm surprised she lived as long as she did. Like how long do cats usually last? So she, she was decently old. Like it's between, they're they, a little older than dogs. Like dogs are kind of eight to 10, 12 is like a really old dog. And cats are like 12 to 15 and over 15 is like a really old cat. Okay. So, and then she also got cancer when she was 10 and it was like this rare, weird cancer. And I give my mom a hundred and ten percent credit. Like she would not have even lived to 16 without my mom. Like my mom mm. was like, let's figure it out and put her on some experimental drugs and all this stuff. And she was cancer free clearly up until a couple months ago. And and my mom prepared me. She was like, hey, it's getting there. But, you know, in my mind, she was going to live until she was 30. So, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. So thank you for all the messages and kind words. And I haven't gotten back to anybody because I can't read them, but I'll get there and I'll thank people personally soon. But everybody's been really kind. And I told everybody because, you know, she had a cat shirt. I was like, go wear Pasta's cat shirt. Go keep her legacy alive. Mine doesn't fit me anymore. <laughs> I've gained so much weight since I've gotten that cat shirt. <laughs> what you can do. Oh, I wish I had it nearby. Um, a friend of mine gave me a, a shirt. It had Steve Martin on it from The Jerk. And it was huge. It was like double XL. And I was like, what am I supposed to do with this shirt? So then my friend yeah. Amanda knew how to sew and she made it into a tiny shirt. But then I wasn't tiny anymore. So it's like it went from double XL to extra small. And then I wasn't extra small anymore. So I was like, but I love this shirt so much. So I got a piece of um, um, what do you get from art stores? Like the ease, not easel, the oh God, you know, the thing that you paint on. And I put it on and I got a staple gun. Canvas. Canvas. Thank you. That yeah. To me. And I, I stapled it on and now it's like this little t-shirt picture thing. That's oh, cool. I was, I was going to go tote bag maybe. 
Ooh, I would love a pasta tote bag. I will yeah. totally help with that entire excursion so that there's a <laughs> pasta tote bag. <laughs> all right, good. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you. I just wanted to say thanks to everybody. And, you know, it, we're, you went, we went from two ladies and a cat to just two special ladies. <laughs> oh, no. And then there was one. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the truth of the matter is I was planning on getting a kitten in the fall and I wanted pasta to help me raise this kitten and show this kitten the rope. So I'm sure a kitten is also on the horizon. So this podcast will get ruined by just some squeaky. Animals. Yeah. I look forward to that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, announcements. Patreon people. Thank you so much. Thank you, everybody. Um, uh, if you don't know, um, you can get weekly bonuses. You can get monthly bonuses. You can get stickers. You can control our Googles, which is when you tell us what to Google. Um, <laughs> I now feel like I have to explain that after somebody's like, what does control your Googles mean? Um, <laughs> so you're like forcing our hand as we're trying to like type the Google. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're like, no, Brian, I don't want to Google um uh 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 you could be a google guest um you get access to uh um our stand-up uh signed book all these fun benefits um so patreon.com slash two non-doctors forward doctors um yeah you can follow us on the socials instagram no yes instagram at two non-doctors but it's spelled drs at the number two non-drs and then the rest of them at two non-doctors full word doctors if you have time you can leave us a rate and review on apple Podcasts because it helps us out helps us get seen we feel great and uh make make, make her it's probably gonna go this way make her feel better <laughs> <laughs> yeah that would make me feel better i love the reviews tell us how great pasta was as a host and oh, um sweet. <laughs> everybody's going oh, god damn it now i have to do that <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. um, um yeah. yeah. Personal okay. touring. Any mm. you're out there? Doing the um, not much has changed for me. Um, I'm going to uh, Birmingham, but I'll have been in Birmingham <laughs> and then uh, Nottingham, November 22nd, Oxford, I think later in November. Um, and then London the rest of the time for the rest of the year, forever. Forever. Oh, great. Um, I think when this comes out, I'll be in Austin. So come see me in Austin and Houston. Um, come to Houston. I love, I mean, that's always been really fun. Um, and then da, 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 and then October, I am in Chicago, Kansas City, and St. Louis. And then I'm slowly booking stuff in November, which I will fill you in eventually. Um, but um, uh, if uh, buy my book. Uh, support pasta. I, I like how we like really milk this. Support pasta in her dreams. Um, her cat is her dead. Buy her book. <laughs> <laughs> My baby. Um, <laughs> Oh man, if not that my book is big enough to go through a second edition, but like second edition would be like, you know how like they update it, but like the whole book is about her and yeah, oh, like it would just be like 17 pages. Um, but uh, a lot of people got to know pasta in my book, Why Cats Are Assholes, because as you know, she went through an asshole phase. Um, but um, check it out if you haven't, if you have, uh, same kind of thing, Amazon reviews are super helpful. Um, and um, uh, just all around wonderful and make me feel lovely. So, um, yeah. 
Okay, fan mail. All right, our fan mail comes from Aaron. Uh, they say, howdy, I've been making my way through your past episodes recently and I just got to mad about anger. I wanted to drop you a line because I really related to how Liz described her anger issues. I've had anger issues my whole life. My parents sent me to therapy when I was eight or nine because of them. And I actually just started going again because I felt like they were getting out of hand. When Liz talks about having to control her anger because she's a small woman and has to think about the repercussions, it got me thinking about how different our repercussions could be. I'm a 6'4", 300-pound guy with a big beard and a shaved head. I've been told by multiple people throughout my life that I can look terrifying without intending to, like absentmindedly scowling while I think about something, for example. While my size and appearance does have its benefits, some of its drawbacks include if I ever were to lose it and fly off the handle, I have the physical cap capacity to do some significant damage to people or objects. It's not something I live in fear of, but it's definitely something that crosses my mind when I feel my blood pressure rise and my ears get hot that I need to calm down or get away from people and things because I may do something that I will deeply regret if I don't. In the same kind of vein, Liz mentioned something, I don't recall the exact words, about not being taken seriously when mad, but I've experienced a sort of flip side of that. I can tell you that I found no worse feeling in life than seeing fear in the face of someone you care about and knowing you are, on the, you are the source. I don't even have the words to describe it properly. Nothing I have found will make you feel smaller or more ashamed, ashamed of yourself. On a lighter note, you both are awesome. Love the podcast. Keep up the awesome work. I live in fear. You guys are great. Thank you so much. Um, you know what? Actually, I did find and like because he was talking about like the opposite where like I worry about what happens to me because I piss people off and I have a story about that. But on the other note of scaring somebody, I was actually joking with my niece. This was like probably during the holidays. And I, I did something, I guess, kind of like aggressive or like sp spooky. I don't know what I did. But like she looked so scared like literally like I was gonna hit her and I was just being silly and so I had to like you know when you have to like counter that when you see how horrified and you're like oh no 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 and then she like softened but I was like oh I scared this little baby <laughs> like she's four years old and she had this she had this fear in her eyes that was like heartbreaking and it hurt it's me so, so much. funny I had a, like a little cousin and I was like, Rrr! and like the bottom, like teeth went out. And then I went, I, I scared the shit out of him. I think he was three and he just went, ah, ah! And, like, like ran the other direction. I found it to be hilarious, but it's just like unfounded fear makes me laugh so much. It, she just, she's so silly and she's so like she loves taking care of babies and she's just very like this like she's tough she's a tough lady like and I talk about her like she's 25 because she she like sets boundaries and she's like put me in my place but it's also like I got reminded very quickly that she was a tiny small child and like and it's weird because how often are we bigger than somebody you know what mm, I mean like yeah. it was it oh it, it crushed me and I was like I never want to do that again I was like oh I don't like that I was like okay yeah. but but Aaron's right I mean I think of my anger in in the way of I let it get out of control and someone has a gun someone's bigger than me you know somebody um um somebody can hurt me and his thought is I people can misinterpret his size as well as he can do real damage with his size. You know what I mean? Break something, hurt somebody. And he has to be aware of that because you really do go into this 
mental spiral where you're 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 not yourself and I I, I mean I can't even Im- imagine how you have to worry about how people are interpreting you or making assumptions about you like he said um from just uh, he's deep in thought and somebody's just like oh it's an angry guy and he's like no I just don't know how to make a I don't know if I can make a left here <laughs> like I just yeah. don't, I don't know what the rules are um uh, a friend of mine um gave the middle finger to like somebody that cut her off and um the guy pulled his car over got out and started screaming at her screaming Mm. and like was a big was like a big guy and her husband was there and then her husband made it worse and was like like and it was like she was like it was just a mess and it just made me realize I can't do that like I can't I'm especially if I was by myself who knows what happened but he basically was like why'd you flip me off you shouldn't have flipped me off why'd you and you're like oh my god like but I I've been in the same position like sometimes I'm a little more aggressive in the car because I feel the safety of my car but then I told them like Basically, I realized that I have to be a little more cowardly because when people see that I'm a woman, they go, they, they, they can't handle a woman being in a position of power. So like the BQE, basically when you're getting onto the BQE, it's two lanes that go into one lane and then one lane that goes into three lanes. So you have to merge. So I was merging. It was my turn because it's a zipper. We talk about it all the time. You go, I go, you go, I go. So -hmm. it was my turn. And this guy is just being aggressive. And I was like, go fuck yourself. I like I was coming back from a gig. It was like almost midnight. And it's like, fuck you. This is my turn. So I don't let him in because it's my turn. So when so where I lived at the time, I would have to go from being all the way to the far lane, all the way to the left because I was going to exit soon. So when I go to now merge from the single lane into the three lanes, I'm going left. He goes around hits his car takes his car hits my car I swing into the third lane luckily nobody was there and then he speeds off and so I took pictures of his license I sped behind I went nuts I was losing my mind this is probably like eight years ago so I sped behind him I took a picture of his license plate I'm screaming it took me about maybe two minutes to be like this is how you die like do not die (laughs) fucking chasing somebody on the BQE but I'm like screaming in my car and I, you know, I get home. I wasn't too far from home. I get home. I look at it. He probably, it was mostly, you know, he dented the, the, the wheel or whatever, but not enough that it needed anything done to it. But, um, so I call the police and the police are like, where are you? And I was like, I'm home. I was like, but I have his license plate. She goes, I can't do anything about it. And I was like, why? And she was like, because you have to stay at the scene of the crime. I was like, it's the BQE. There's no shoulder and it's midnight and I'm a tiny woman. Why would I do that? And she's like, well, you could have maybe gone to like a little bit off the BQE. And I was like, that makes zero sense. Like, that's so unfair. And so I couldn't report the guy, but I was just so mad that I was just, it was my turn. This guy was being aggressive. And then, it, but it's been, I can't even tell you, like, I have to calm myself almost immediately now because I'm like, there's no reason to die just because I'm right. Yeah. Like it's, and, and I have to remember that there's fucking madmen out there that are just, they can't handle that. This is my, you know what I mean? And that's, so when people are speeding on the road or people are being, I just have to like, it's been a good lesson of controlling my anger. Cause I have to be like, this isn't worth dying for <laughs> Like, ugh. yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been chased before in LA. Um, chased? Yeah, a guy chased me down Santa Monica Boulevard and I had to get off, I had to get out of 
I had to like get out and swerve onto the 101 to get rid of him. But like he yeah. tried to get in front of me to like stop my car, like they do in the cop chases. Like they, he, like he tried to parallel me in front of me. Yeah. Oh it's God. terrifying. I know. I know. People are crazy. Um, and then you're like, do I have a bat in the car? Do I have a, <laughs> like, what do I do? Yeah. You know? Yeah. A hundred percent. You're like, oh my God, what are you, you immediately, especially as a woman, you're just like, oh, I'm alone. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I'm, a, I'm alone. Aaron, yeah. do you want to be our body bodyguards? Even if yeah. you never hurt anybody, I think just hanging out with us. <laughs> Definitely. It's so funny because I think we're like, we're, we're the spicy ones. I really do like using the word spicy for bitchy now. It's so spicy. It's so spicy. So spicy. <laughs> What's spicy about her? Oh, she uses the word cunt a lot. <laughs> Two spicy doctors. <laughs> Um, but thank you thanks doctors. for listening. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for listening. Thanks for writing in, Aaron. We do appreciate it. Um, Googles. Googles. Okay. Um, mine's pretty quick and sad. Okay. Okay. Uh, does morning, morning, I don't know how to say it. morning. It's not sound like morning. Morning suppress your immune system. Um, I got really sick. Like I've been kind of sick for like a week now. And I was like, oh man. Cause like <laughs> almost like we talked about, um, like uh after like you you know you know when you study for like a final or something like that and then your whole body shuts down and you get sick I kind of feel the same way I was like oh fuck and pretty much I hate the word bereavement that's what they say in all these studies the bereaved especially and it's even sillier when it's a cat but it said uh bereaved people demonstrate higher levels of systemic inflammation um mala mala adaptive immune cell gene expression and lower antibody response to vaccination compared to the non-bereaved and then psychological responses to bereavement such as depression and grief can um influence i hate how this is all written um uh the immune function with people that are Mm -hmm. bereaved or whatever but it's like yeah like in general like i'm not depressed i am sad but like that can uh, um, suppress your immune system. And we've talked about that in our like depression episodes and stuff, but also just um, the loss and like, and you know what I mean? Like, that's why there's emotion. That's why like a lot of emotional pain is um, connected to physical pain. And they do say things like heartbreak um, have uh, physical side effects. So it's like, yeah, I think it, I think it suppressed my immune system. I got sick pretty quickly. And I was like, come on man (laughs) (laughs) why does everything suppress our immune system like literally like going on stage and then finishing a stressful thing and you know yeah cats dying everything everything gets us sick yeah you feeling better no Hmm. like i don't mean emotionally i mean physically no no, no, physically yeah no i don't feel better oh okay yeah i'm sorry um mine was um what was it (laughs) Can, can moving cause depression? These are our best Googles. <laughs> are we okay? <laughs> yeah, I, is this a, I think this episode's a cry for help. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, is that I'm like, like Johnny's moving and I think it's affected him. He's yeah. fine. But like, yeah. I do think like moving has affected him. And yeah. I, I don't think he thinks so is the thing. I'm like, this is a huge event. Yeah. And it's like, shelter is like the basic need right and when that gets fucked with in any way it's gonna it's gonna have effect on your how did you feel you you moved like how did you feel um I was stressed I mean I it was a it was definitely a big move so I was 
I mean, my cat died, so I think it stressed her out too. Um, <laughs> no, <laughs> sad, sad note. Don't die, Johnny. Um, but <laughs> but no, it so it is on the list of like major life changes. It's up. Th- moving is one of them, and I think yeah. we think because you're just going from like apartment to apartment, or you know what I mean, or you're not just moving. You're not moving from like Jersey to California, or like the kind of moves that you do, where you're just you're now in London, like any kind of movement is a displacement. All your stuff is in boxes. Your, 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 your kind of schedule and your life, things aren't in the same place. Like you change, you know, your bank is further, like whatever it is. Like, I do think it, it it's disruptive in a way that does something to your brain cells. So I, I yeah. think it, I don't think it caused me to be depressed, but I definitely think it, um, was like a major stressor for me and major stressors cause psychological changes. I think it will have like a really profound effect on you, whether you realize it or not, because you wouldn't think like everyone moves. Right. I mean, I've moved like a hundred times and I'm always like the first night in my new place. I'm always, I don't know if depressed is the right word, but like it's unfamiliar and it's scary because it's like semi-permanent. Um, life decision. It's like a shock to your system. Yeah. And you wake up and you're like, where am I? What is this? Yeah. And then you figure it out. And so this says like, there's something called relocation depression. It can be caused by like fear of the unknown. There's like an underlying fear or loss of the familiar. And no matter where you call home, you've developed a familiarity with it. It's um, unique to that place. You know how to get around, have mapped out your friends, have your favorite haunts, and then most likely found refuge places for when you're feeling down. And when you leave this place for a new one, you may also, you may have to start all over from square one. And that can be terrifying. Um, become become so complacent in our routines that anything that threatens their disruption arouses anxiety within us. Some of us are fortunate enough to have been born with an adventurous spirit that is conducive to, to adaptation. And that's great for those that are more tentative about moving. You're probably feeling lost, confused and uncertain, you know, and then, yeah. And it just says you might also experience weight loss, sleep changes, et cetera. He's definitely like lost some sleep. I also think that it's because like everyone's moving out with a little bit of, there's like, there's no like fanfare. There's no ceremony. It's just sort of like one of them has already found a place and like moved out slowly and subtly and the other two, I don't know. It just, um, yeah, it, it, not everybody kind of is in the same mental headspace. Yeah. And he well, probably he, wouldn't have moved if somebody else didn't make the decision. Correct. Right. He, yeah, he wouldn't have. So I think there's also like, like I was ready to move. Right. And I think that that makes a big difference. You know what I mean? Like there's one thing where like, this is my choice and I'm excited. I think it's another thing when somebody's almost made the choice for you. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think it's real. I think it, I, I do think the reason you're moving has a heavy influence, but in general, I mean, just being in a different place can ups, upset my whole system. You know what I mean? Like, even if like when I'm on tour or like, um, somewhere else for a while, you know, I think we all think like change is positive, but but what it made that article made a good point that it's like, if you're adventurous, change is exciting. If you're not adventurous, change is just terrifying and it's uncomfortable. And I am definitely the change is uncomfortable person. I'm trying. I feel like I surround myself with adventurous people. Cause I'm like, maybe it'll like rub off on me and I'll yeah. wake up and be like, I'm in Paris. Come join yeah. me. But it's always <laughs> right. like, and I'm in the kitchen. I, <laughs> and I, I surround myself with responsible people. <laughs> <laughs> hoping that'll rub off on me. So, you know, it's a give and take. Yeah. Yeah. We go to Paris, but with the budget. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I hope everybody feels better. Um, yeah. From these Googles. Um, <laughs> sorry, everyone. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Bummer. Bummer. Google section. Um, let's get personal or let's get personals. Bummer too. I really, I really messed up this episode. Um, as a child, what did you think was going to be awesome? Uh, what did you think would be awesome about being an adult, but isn't awesome? Isn't as awesome as you thought it would be. Being an adult is awesome. <laughs> you feel that I, way? I fucking love it. I would never go back to being a child. Like everything you wanted, you got baby. You want your freedom. You want to run around this world. I do think Boom. there's I did I do it. think there's two types of people. The ones that think childhood was the best and like carefree and like they didn't have bills and da 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 da. And I think there are people that think adulthood is the best and they can do whatever they want. And it's it's you know what I mean? Like I'm definitely I think we're both the same. We're we're like I'd I cannot I do not want to go back any further than maybe twenty-eight. Like I I there's nothing there's nothing in my childhood teens or 20s that I really want to go back to I mean I did like my skin better on birth control but that's about it I yeah. didn't like my personality on birth control I'll tell you that much yeah yeah you could keep my life before 25 just whatever but 25 when I moved to New York my life started but the, I think this might be like specifically is there something that you thought of as a childhood child that you would thought thought would be awesome because I'll say this we had I always had to work, but it was always stuff that my dad assigned us to do. So it was whether it was like babysitting or I worked at my parents' animal hospital or we were like weeding beds and stuff like I was always doing work. So I kind of glamorized working for someone else because my dad was a tyrant boss of mm-hmm. a man. Um, so I was just like, they can't all be like that. And I'm like, oh, my dad was so nice. Um, like, <laughs> because I mean, I did, I did it even when I worked like as a temp or I mean, I hated being a waitress. Um, there were certain jobs where it wasn't too bad, but like clearly, and I never had a salary job. I literally just had like temp work, um, office work, waitress work, and then stand up full time and babysat. Um, so, but I don't know. I think I slightly glamorized working for somebody that wasn't my father in this way that I thought like, I would be treated better. That yeah. <laughs> Talk about a dumb child thing. Like someone's going to treat me better than my dad. And I was like, oh, my dad was actually quite generous. And I mean, he was strict and there was always a list, but you know, he let me have. Yeah. Breaks, kind of. Yeah. Maybe like if I was a child, like having a, having a kid, I think I always thought I'd have like one I don't think I, I was never like crazy, like, oh, I'm going to have so many kids when I grow up, you know, just because that's what you do. <laughs> I was like, I'll have one <laughs> and I'll do you that favor world. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? You're welcome. Do you think it's because um, you're, you're close with your mom that you thought like, I want to be a mom like my mom? Maybe. Yeah. I think, I think I kind of always saw myself having a daughter too, weirdly, like as, and just like, just showing her the ropes. Like this is yeah, the world. Yeah. <laughs> you're lucky you got a cool mom. And then I grew up and I was like, I don't even, I don't want that. That's, that's a lot of money, responsibility. Yeah, yeah. That's going to infringe on like all my Netflix watching and like, <laughs> I don't want that at like, all. I think I'm just going to be a cool roommate. We're going to settle yeah, for that. I'll be a nice aunt. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was raising my brothers, so I never, I, I was always like, this is hard and it sucks. Nobody do this. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, I think I was starting to, and not even completely realize how expensive vet care is when my parents retired. I was like, this is crazy guys. Like when I started to have to pay for my own vet care, cause my parents retired, I was like, I hate this. <laughs> Awful. Pets are expensive. Does never, does nobody talk about how expensive pet care is? They should yeah. have health insurance for pets, which they do, but it's not really that great. Is, um, is that how you end up with pets? Because you're both your parents are like animal doctors and people go, Oh, how much is their surgery? And they just leave their pet <laughs> at yeah. the clinic. Dude, I mean, but that is kind of true. Our our first dog, Sam, he was a German Shepherd. Also miss him. He was amazing. Um, he like they just they didn't want to take care of him. Like they basically were like just put him down because they didn't <sighs> want to take. And my dad was like, "What? This is a great dog." And he was, <laughs> and so and so my dad was was like, "Okay, well then we'll take him." And we ended up taking him. And then um, a lot of the cats we got, like the ones that became practice cats and the ones that we adopted, it would be like a kitten that had some kind of like heart disease or like had something wrong with it and it couldn't get adopted. And my mom would be like, well, we'll just take care of it. So like even, I mean, it was my mom's cat and then my mom gave it to my brother, but um, this kitten came in and it had something wrong with its eyes and she was pretty sure it was gonna have to get surgery. So nobody wants to adopt a cat that's just gonna drain you of money. So nobody mm -hmm. would adopt it. My mom ended up not having to do the surgery, but she had to put these eye drops in its eyes forever. Da, 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 da. Um, and now it's my cat, my, my brother's crazy cat. My brother told me the funniest story because he has like, um, he has like a little porch on his apartment and he said he'd come home from work and he'd be like, Alita and, and look, and she had, she, even though she, she has nails, but she has these caps on them, these like gel caps so that like she can't do too much damage. But even with the gel caps, she climbs up this banister and he's making eye contact with his cat. And he was like, Jesus. And she's like, <laughs> <laughs> Sure, he goes it's horrifying she has these purple nails she has kind of these like witch eyes because she has this like eye issue and she's just making eye contact with me when i come home for work it's horrifying it's hilarious <laughs> and her full name is alita battle angel and i was like well that's what you do when you name it alita battle angel it's gonna have yeah. battle skills um i i mean i have to say like being an adult is hard but not as hard as it was to be a kid i really you didn't have like a normal kid carefree childhood at all. Yeah. And I'm also, I think we've also stayed the same size as a kid. So maybe we're just living our kid. life. I do feel like I live like a teenager in a lot of ways. Like maybe if this, this kind of like, I kind of do what I want. <laughs> like, oh yeah. We still dress like teenagers. I still carry around a backpack. I'm like so embarrassed by my, like, like sometimes you like, you hang out with people, backpacks fine. Sometimes you hang out with other people and you're like, oh my God, I've got a backpack on. <laughs> I was just thinking that the other day, cause I met up with Carmen and Carmen's Carmen's a little backpack person. My backpack's a little bigger than her backpack, but like, I just realized, like I started to notice cause I was like, cause I've always me and Carmen, like, especially living together, like easily influence each other. And I was like, Oh, I like, even you had a little backpack and I was like, Oh, I like her little backpack. Like we always have this, like, and it's fine because that's what it's like. You're running around, you need your notebook, da, 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 da. Yeah. And then I'll misconstrue a situation or I'll come from doing shows. And you're like, I, I look 10 years younger in the wrong kind of way yeah. at this event because of this backpack. And then yeah. somebody will bring it up. They'll be like, oh, what's in your backpack? And you don't even have, you're like my calendar and my notebook and the book I'm reading and uh, a wallet that has almost no money in it, but is absolutely full. <laughs> literally, literally what's in my backpack. All of that. My favorite is a wallet that has zero, doesn't have I mean, it has a credit card I don't use. 
and no cash, but is so packed it can't be shut. What is in there, Liz? What yeah. is in there? Yeah. <laughs> All right, we should get into our topic because we've talked too much sadness. Um, okay, so let's go into faith and religion. Let's go into faith and religion. That's oh God, the- what have we done? So I, I wanted to start out by, I have a joke I never could get to work. Um, that is just like a one-liner, but I, I wanted to make it into something more and I, I can't, I wonder if I should just do it as a tweet. Um, but I had a joke that said my, my parents are Catholic, but I was raised self-help. Yeah. And that would get a laugh, but then I had all these different, I tried a million different things to like, what does that mean? And da, 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 da. And really that goes into like kind of our health self-help episode, but like, I, I wasn't raised religious, but I know Catholicism has had an influence on me because my, my dad went to 12 years of Catholic school. My dad wanted to be a priest when he was really young. And then reminds my mom, me of my cousin. Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and then my, um, how do you go from wanting to priest to having five kids? That's aggressive. That's an aggressive move, dad. Um, aggressive. I mean, I, th- <laughs> I think if you go, well, I'm, I'm not doing the life of celibacy, so I should just live the other life as yeah, best yeah, as possible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mom was just like, I'm not this Catholic. Um, <laughs> um, and then my mom was raised Catholic, but she's just not as Catholicly as my dad. And like, and even um, my dad was still going to like church and stuff. And then when they had kids, my mom was the one that was like, hey, you can't be hanging out with Jesus. Like you gotta be home helping. Like my mom saw it as like, you're, you're out there hanging out drinking wine with Jesus and I'm here taking care of the kids like you can't do and that's why my dad stopped going but my my dad actually started going to church with my brother-in-law um and it's a different church it's not even I think might be Protestant or it's some other sect I don't you know I don't truly don't know enough about religion and my dad's like it's not really for me there's like a coffee shop in this church by the way it's a little bit of like a big church and my my brother in law likes it because there's childcare. So my brother's like my brother in law is a- like this is AA dope. meetings love it because they don't have to make their own coffee. <laughs> yeah, kind of. But it's kind of funny. He drops the kids off, he gets a coffee, and he goes to church. And I was like, this is like one of the best coffee shops I've ever heard of. Like, if I could just get some writing done there. Um, yeah. So my dad started going with my my brother in law, and we've been trying to encourage it because my dad it's important to him. But like, did you? Because you're Coptic Christian. Yes. I don't know enough about that, but like, would you say that you were raised Coptic Christian? Was it a part of your definitely? I had to go to church. I had to go to like dressed up for Easter, Christmas. I had to fast. I had to, yeah. I we used to go to Sunday school. Oh my god, Sunday school. (laughs) They they tried to teach us Coptic. That didn't last. But like, Jesus fuck, yeah. Like because it was. something funny you're just like jesus fuck we were so religious god (laughs) damn it oh it's tiring thinking about it it's so much fucking religion and and like when did it stop high school intertwined i stopped at 17 intertwined was um the social aspect of it so it's like these are families that we socialize with they're they're practically related to us you know it's egyptian families um in ohio so it's like it's a small community of people. So it was like, it wasn't just that we went to church and went home and like, it was all about the message of God. It was about seeing people socializing, being with family. And I just remember at 17 thinking that that was all just a bit hypocritical or, you know, it's just like, why does God give a shit if I wear a dress or if I wear jeans or 
you know, like why, like there was so much judgment, even though they weren't supposed to judge. And, and then it got to a point where I was like, really, <laughs> like my dad seems really. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Hold on one second. But you were saying that was like hypocritical and that you're dead. Oh, it just, it just feels like they're smarter than that. I'm like, do you really, like, I just look at them. I'm like, do you really believe in God? I, I really do think my mom does. And like, I mean, her, she was raised so religious, like aunts were nuns. They were both really, they were both brought up with religion. I just feel like my dad, because he's so cynical. And I feel like I'm more, I have more of my dad's personality that I look at my dad and I go, do you really believe it? <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I don't think he would ever say otherwise. Do you think he's more in it for the community? Because it sounds like a really strong, supportive community aspect to, to the Coptic Christians in, in Ohio. Yeah, at least like all the years coming up, yes. And it was a strong, really connective, supported community that's since sort of disbanded and fallen apart. And there's so many new people coming in and I wouldn't, I don't even recognize our priest. Our priest is white now. It's like, his name is like Kevin. (laughs) (laughs) So it's expanded a bit. And (laughs) but I do think that that's a lot of the, (laughs) but I do think that that's a lot of the reason why people seek out religion in the first place is community. Cause I think that's the, I think that's the thing that affects people and gives people like the fulfillment more than the connection with God and prayer, which I do think that people feel. And I do think that prayer can have a healing effect, et cetera. I just think immediately it'll be community, people bringing you in, people accepting you, people suddenly being your group. Yes. And there, there being a set of rules. Like if you think of any kind of community, college has a set of rules. Um, most um, um, buildings in some sense have a set of rules, even if they're just basic rules. And so I think there's a set of rules that people kind of understand and hypothetically all live by. Then there's a familiarity and a caring, even if it's just, you know, their name and you know, their kids or whatever. And then there's this building that everybody goes to, or there's, you know what I mean? There's this place that everybody kind of goes to. And I think that even that alone has its, its building blocks and its connection. And then of course, like you said, there's the the, the higher connection to, to God and having faith. I mean, I I find it hard to relate to on every, every sense of the word. I mean, I feel more lucky that as I built my own community, I under absolutely understand the importance. And as I've um, come to grips with my own, let's say spirituality or, or connection, um, to something larger than myself, whatever I might think that is, which I don't know what it is. Um, I've started to kind of understand religion more because I really, I came from a very, I wouldn't even, even say atheist, more like agnostic kind of viewpoint of religion, which is like, I don't see the point and it seems really destructive globally. And and it seems like Christians are always the people that are hurting other people, yet they're the ones that are supposed to be like, you know, love everybody in God's name and blah, blah, blah. And, it, you know, I mean, we're all God's children or whatever the hell that they say. So it was really hard for me to actually see the benefits of religion for a really long time because all I could see was the tragedies that they brought and the disconnection that they brought. Um, but I think I... I think as I've gotten older, I like symbols and um, what I, and then bringing my own connection to those symbols. So um, 
uh, a couple of my um, Indian friends are the ones that taught me about Ganesh. I think he's the god of obstacles. I'm pretty sure because I did. It was years ago that I did the research and I have a Ganesh on my mantelpiece now on my mantle. But like for some reason, I felt so connected to this elephant god and like, you know what I mean? And like, I don't even know that much about Hinduism. And I, I like I said, probably did. I probably did a two non-doctors amount of research on Ganesh. <laughs> you know what I mean? When I yeah. first felt connected, but I can tell that like, it was, it was just kind of calming and helpful to believe that there's somebody looking out for me when things are hard and that I just need to kind of um, believe that I'll get through this and having, you know, cause like my mom had, I think St. Jude, she had a St. Jude necklace that she didn't always wear, but it was in her jewelry box and it was like important to her. I think she wore it when she was younger. And that's the, um, the saint of lost causes. I'm almost positive. And that, you know, is kind of sad to me that my mom felt the most related to, to that saint. But I think, I do think I have this connection to kind of like symbols or, or like, I don't know. I think it's why I like trinkets. Like I'm just like, and I'm very superstitious. I love, you know me, I have my little things and I'm like, this is supposed to give me good luck to make money. And this is supposed to just be good, like whatever. And I like these little things and I like to um, take a moment to feel um, connected, but it's, it's all arbitrary. There's no like, there's no, I got very Elvis, like me. Um, there's no like set of rules. Like when I was looking up religions, like these, like there's, it's always these set of rules. And what's crazy about it is that it's clearly widely interpreted in so many different ways. So two Christians can be, you know what I mean? Two people can be following the same religion and have wildly different ways that they inhabit it. And it's like, and that's where I feel like it causes all this pain. I mean, just look at um, what's going on in Texas with the abortion law, which is absolutely just Christian garbage about when life starts. And you know what I mean? Which mm. again, should not, your religion shouldn't be impacting my life if there's supposed to be a separation between church and state, whatever. Right. I think meeting religious people as I got older, both religious people my age and then also religious people older than me and just how wonderful they are and just how thoughtful they are and really being what I thought religion was supposed to be is the thing that has made me see how it has had a positive impact on people. But I think I spent most of my life being like, this is trash and everybody who believes in whatever your religion is, is trash. There are some people who use religion as a way to, way to control I mean, religion, like, you, I mean, you just argue it was created to control people. It was like to, to have a set of rules to scare children into behaving. Yeah. There's so many, so many, there's so many ways to use religion just to control people. And then you meet people who have a weird, like, gentleness about them. And they almost feel saintly yeah. who are religious. And you're like, way to get the benefits from something that it, it was a scam. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. It's, yeah, a, it's, a, it's incredible. <laughs> but I think, I also think it's within you to find the benefits in anything. You know what I mean? Like, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example with this, but like, we could both work at Google. Everybody talks about how Google, like there's food everywhere and there's little sleep pods and there's a bus that takes you to work. Like, it sounds like this, uh, you know, uh, utopia of a work environment, but there's always going to be somebody that's like, 
fuck this place. They do it so you don't leave. You can't, you know what I mean? Like there's always yeah. going to be people that can see the negative in something. And they're going to be the people that are like, actually, you know, it's saved me money. And it's, you know, because of childcare, you know, da, 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 da. like you can see. So it's just like, I can, I think it's up to you, whatever you believe in to see what's positive about it and how you can bring connection, community, uh, some kind of faith or belief and, and, and being there for yourself and others. And then if you don't, then that's not for you. And you know what I mean? But like, I think I've always been one of those people, whatever it is that takes a little bit from every religion, a little philosophy, like even like self-help, it was never like, I'm just whatever Tony Robbins says or whatever, you know, Malcolm Gladwell says, it's always been like, oh, I'll take this from this and I'll take that from that and a little bit of this. And, oh, this is a little bit of Liz Mealy's thoughts on this. And like, it becomes my own philosophy. And I think the same with religion. I was so like pushed up against it. And I was like, no, it does nothing but harm people. And it's about controlling, which I think we both had like very controlled childhoods. And then I started to be like, oh, there's something really beautiful about this in Buddhism. And there's something really so like kind and, and, and thoughtful in Islam. Like I remember my friend Amanda was in a taxi. This was like probably 10 years ago. And um, the guy was taking her, I think to Jersey city and these beautiful songs were, um, on his like CD player. And she goes, oh, this is so beautiful. What is this? And he's like, oh, it's the Quran. And she goes, oh, like, I didn't know. Like, you know what I mean? So like you hear about the Quran, you hear nothing but negative stuff. And here she's like, wow, what a, be you know what I mean? This like, this is so beautiful. And it's just like, I think it's important to learn more about everybody's religions. But I think off often, especially I can say for myself, I've only been affected by the extremist. You know what I mean? That like those, um those like Christian mega churches and those like evangelicals. Like that's what I think when I think of Christianity. And of course, so many people think of terrorists and, and, and extreme um, uh, Muslims the way they think of um, Islam, which is like, that's not fair because there's so many beautiful people living with religion with kindness, but we only see the extremists. And it's like, that's where I've had to do my own work. And I think that's where everybody has to do their own work where you can't, look at the extremists as the example. And I mean, we get it all the time with like feminists. They're just like, oh, feminists are all angry, men hate it. And you're like, that's an extreme feminist. Most women just want to have equal rights. to. That's what feminism is. You can't, yeah. you know what I at mean? At least smile while you ask for your rights. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's, I think that's where we are is that I've always seen religion as a bad word. And I've slowly you started to use the word spirituality and I slowly started to use the word faith because they're softer, but religion is like the R word to me. And I've had to do my own work to not judge people when I hear they're religious, which I absolutely was a shitty person like that. Like oh. if I found religion, I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm the same. I mean, like religion, it feels like um, sometimes you just need someone to tell you how to live. <laughs> Like, do you know when you're cooking and you're just like, just give me the recipe and let me follow it straight. And yes. so like, I think religion can be good for that. It's just like, just give me the rules. I'll stick to them. Keep your community. I don't care. I just need, <laughs> just yeah. need structure and I need yeah. a way to guide myself. And like, um, but, uh, and I think that like, as we evolved, I think people like a lot of people cherry pick their religion and they consider themselves spiritual and kind of just work within themselves to, to feel better and have inner peace. And it isn't about any one religion. 
or following any one thing. Like I believe in reincarnation. And I also, you know, I think it was Buddhism that has reincarnation. There was a fan that wrote to me. It was actually really beautiful. I forget what religion, but he goes like in my religion, he goes, you know, everybody in your life has been reincarnated and they're there for a reason. And pasta was there for a reason. And I was like, like, you know what I mean? Uh, Like he was like, she'll come back. And I was like, I believe she will come back. Like, like some, like that stuff, like, especially when you're sad, like it is helpful, whatever, whatever's true or not true. Like that doesn't matter. It's like, it's about. I gotta be honest. Sometimes I wish there were times like, um, when I'm like about to go on a trip or do something really scary, like have a big, like have a big show. I wish I could just make the sign of the cross and just feel like it'll all be okay. Like my parents always made the sign of the cross before we started driving like long distance. Wow. And it was just this sort of like, you know, God will protect us. And then that just took away, that just gives you peace of mind. Why did I get rid of that? I should have kept that. (laughs) (laughs) That's so, that's so funny where you're just like, oh, I want to be protected. How do we use this? How do we use this? (laughs) Um, I would love to, I would absolutely love to hear how religion has had a positive impact for you, how religion played in your life, like how maybe if just the importance of it to you, if it's important to you, how you came to your own definition of faith and spirituality, if it's not, um, if you are atheist or agnostic, I mean, I think this is pretty open um, discussion, but you can uh, write to us at two non-doctors. What is that, Maria? That's two non forward doctors at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. This isn't worth dying for.